Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. Hope everyone had a happy holidays. I uh, I took last week off and spent spent some good time with my family, and happy to be back on the podcast trail here. And this episode is uh, is a unique one. You know, a lot of times we bring on coaches or you know in the college setting or professional setting or high school or whatever. And I <clears throat> this episode I was lucky enough to to get. Uh, Dave Highland, who is a professor of finance at Xavier University. He teaches a sabermetrics course there, and I've known Dave for a while, and he's, he's, he's really fascinating. He, he, loves, he loves baseball to death. He goes to the ABCA, all the conventions, um, you know, volunteers locally for, for youth baseball. And this sabermetrics course that he uh, started at Xavier University is, is was intriguing to me too. And and so I just want to bring him on and just, you know, let him kind of talk about how how he, he views the metrics in baseball, what he teaches the students in his class how you as coaches can start implementing sabermetrics and just metrics where you know wherever you're at and you're probably maybe even already doing it just um, don't even know it sometimes so it's you know very fascinating stuff I uh, you know I, I love you know learning in general and I love statistics and so this is a lot of fun for me to be able to do and I hope all of you listening will enjoy this too um, if you have any questions at all I'm going to make sure to put Dave's contact information in the show notes page so a um, great episode again so if you're into sabermetrics or metrics you know want to be an analyst or just want to know more about data and baseball um, this is a great episode for you to listen to and Dave also gives some great resources if you want to continue and learn even more so this is again a lot of fun hope you enjoy this episode with Dave Highland. All right, we now welcome on Dave Highland or Professor Highland. Is that what you prefer to be? Which one? Dave's fine. Dave's fine. What What would be your, your exact title, though? Uh, I'm a professor of finance at Xavier University. Okay. Uh, you know, at a university setting, you know, most students call me doctor because I have a PhD, but uh, Dave's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you also, though, teach a sabermetrics course at Xavier, Correct. Correct. And when did that, like, take me through, like, how that all started? Why did it get started? I know you love baseball, but, like, how did all that get started? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So um, I'm good friends with the uh, uh, chair of the business analytics department at uh, Xavier, and I was always, I've always ribbed him. I'm like, you know, statistics is so boring. It would be It would be so much more fun if you did it with, like, a good data set, you know, like data that, you know, like you really, you know, a statistic, a statistics course with all baseball data. I mean, now that would be something yeah. that would be fun. And then you then then the examples mean more and, and you can really dig into it because all the analytics and all the, all the statistics mean something to you. Now I'm sure that would work for a lot of different fields, but for guys like us that like baseball, you know, I said that to him and I was kidding and he's like, well, teach it then. And it was like, you know, kind of a gulp, you know, I better, yeah, <laughs> I better yeah. figure out uh, what to do. And so we started this course and we've got, uh, you know, we get, it, it's an upper level uh, business analytics course. And we get, you know, it, you know, 12 to 16 students uh, most semesters. And uh, it's usually a, a pretty good time. The, the, the students that sign up, you know, they either, they either have a bent towards analytics or, 
you know, most of them like baseball a lot. And then, then it makes it fun because it's like, well, you know, how do we look at this? How do we look at that? Uh, and the examples all are, you know, hopefully of interest, you know, and that makes, that makes the course fun. And then hopefully it brings some of the statistics to life as well because we don't just have to use it. You right. know, the, some of these tools for baseball, but it sure is fun to use it for baseball. So are most of the kids who are signing up in this class, they want to get, they, do they want to work in baseball? I mean, I, they're definitely, they're definitely every semester there's a handful that do, but there are some that are just looking for a good upper level elective and we're like, hey, I, I like baseball. I'd like to see if, you know, I'd like to see a statistical approach to it. Um, you know, some of them sign up because their friends sign up. You, you know how college yeah. is, oh, yeah. but, but, you know, I, um, I, I, I'm starting I, this last semester, I had a couple of baseball players. Uh, some guys, r really sharp Xavier players, who were like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to give this a go." And you know, they were a lot of fun to have in class as well, because you could say, "Well, you know, what do, you know, how does it, how does this play out compared to your experience?" And, right. Uh, so, so what type of like do you have like what specific examples do you have like of, of what you're teaching them like in the class? Like I know you you mentioned like SQL or like some other different types of things. Like, is there anything specific that like? you like you like to go over with everyone yeah so so when i first started it was like yeah there are all these tools out there i mean we you got excel which i mean for for somebody that's just interested in there's a lot of stuff you oh, can do excel, with excel yeah. yeah um you can get into vba programming where you're you know like macro programming and and, and doing more advanced excel work um are is, is pretty good, SQL and Python, those seem to be the big names until you get to the, like the, uh, the web side of things. You know, there's a lot of need for like HTML and Java and, and all these things because then you've got to distribute your, your, your information, you know, in bigger settings, right? So when I first started doing it, I tried to teach a little of everything and, and that was okay, but I think what happened was there's not enough of anything. Mm -hmm. So really uh, changed the approach. Um, you know, there's a book out there called Analyzing Baseball Data with R. Uh, wonderful book. Uh, uh, ben Baumer and Alex Marchi and uh, Jim, um, I'm drawing a blank, uh, Bowling Green professor who, who you know, kind of has done a lot of baseball work, uh, Jim Albert. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful book. It, it takes you from... You know how do I how do I install R in our studio to let's start playing around with uh, some of Warren Spahn's data and then you know all the way through and it, it's kind of a cookbook approach. A lot of people could sit down with it if you have a little bent towards uh, baseball analytics. You could just sit down and kind of follow the book through uh, like a cookbook um, and try the things that you're interested in and and you know, see what you get out of it. So it's kind of a fun. So, yeah, you made a really good point about how it, like, if you try and teach everything, and that's like anything in life, like you try to do everything, you kind of really do end up doing nothing. So, I mean, when, if a kid comes to you and is like, if I learn SQL, would that help me in the class? It might not help you in my, my class, but there's certainly people out there that, you know, have a demand for it. I mean, the, you know, it, it, as we think about, the Reds got the Reds analytics staff comes and talks to my group, and he's he's uh, they've got this really good visual where they they show um, all the data. You know we you know we've been collecting baseball data since the 1800s, 
uh, Henry Chadwick kind of started popularize the the box score in the 1800s, and then you know it started showing up in in newspaper. And so we have we have this rich history of baseball data, which makes makes statistical work fun and interesting, and and, and I think it makes a lot of the appeal for baseball in general. So they show if you think about that level of data, right? We've got we've got data on hitters back to the 1800s, right? Full full season full season of data, right? And so so we think about you know I don't know what the example they they say, but maybe that would fit on you know uh, a CD, right? And then we start to think about well, people started collecting play by play data. You know, we maybe have play-by-play -play data back about 100 years. And play-by-play -play data, if you think about, you know, if there's, if there's 15 lines of data for a box score, right, you know, the nine, nine batters and the players, well, there's like 120 plays in the play-by-play -play 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 data tracks where everybody is, and so a play-by-play -play line of data might have hundred observations just for that one play, right? And it repeats a lot because the same first baseman's probably there throughout the game. So we go from this, this small, you, you know, this, this CD worth of data to, to something that's a hundred times that to then we get into some of the more recent stuff like the StatCast data and the, some of those, and these are huge data sets. So when we start to think about these huge data sets, the need to be able to work in a database and to find specific things you want and to manage that database, these SQL skills would be really useful, right? So, I mean, I think SQL would be a great skill for a lot of people to learn if they're interested in, in big managing data, um, you know, are more maybe for analyzing data, uh, but also for Python. making visuals too, R? Like R is wonderful right. for making uh, um, visuals. Um, a lot of people are using Tableau, which can, you know, I think a, a little quicker learning curve for Tableau than some of these, but maybe a little nicer visuals than you might get out of Excel and in, in some ways to manipulate data. So there's, there's all kinds of tools out there, uh, lots of ways to use it. I, I think, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, people get, people get hooked up on, well, should I go down this path or that path? I think if you're interested in, in, in analyzing baseball data, it isn't overly important which path you go. Just be passionate about it and, 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 and explore it. And, and I think you made a good point there. I think trying to get good at, at one thing, but it might, it might have to, I might have to try four and say, well, this is the one I really like. Yeah. So that's okay too. I think if you learn that way. Well, I just think I'm just thinking from a coach's perspective, actually. I mean, it, they all have value, like even just SQL, like SQL. I mean, if I have a, if I have a question about, a, you know, a certain particular player and some of the analytics and again, dating back years and years and years, I can just type that in real quick and figure that out. And then the R, the visuals are huge for players because that that imagery allows them to make connections sometimes. So, I mean, that's another huge point, too. So even from a, just a from an analyst standpoint, but also just a, a player development standpoint too, I think that the sabermetrics have a ton of value. And I think that, like anything else, I mean, you you got to pick your battles. But I, I definitely think it's something that, I mean, I know all the MLB organizations are using. I know, you know you're involved with you know Xavier baseball and, and college baseball too. So 
everyone's kind of doing it. Um, my next question is, like, since you've been on this journey of teaching sabermetrics and the course, I'm sure you've been down a lot of different rabbit holes, and I'm sure you've seen things that maybe you weren't expecting to see from a, maybe a statistics, maybe just from a baseball statistics, like certain statistics or – um, or maybe from a player development realm, like what are, has there been anything that has surprised you when, from the time you started this sabermetrics course and all the research you've done until now? Yeah, I don't know about, I, I, I certainly lot, lots of different yeah. surprises. Um, I think one of the things that I think when you first get down the path, you, you start to think, well, you know, we need to look at the situation. We, we, we need to do whatever's best statistically. And you start to think about some of these statistics you use, and you think about, you think about let's, take, let's take on base percentage, right? So I think of a guy, this guy's got a, a, a 400 on base percentage. Well, that means, that means that he should get on base four times out of ten. That's, that's you know, if I'm using his historical statistics and the guy, the, the other guy I'm looking at has an on-base percentage of 300. Well, those are the statistics of what they have done, right? And, and, and so I think we can say, well, he's got on base four out of ten times. He's got on base three out of ten times. But the danger is to say, well, so I have to go with the guy with 400. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't, right? I mean, players are not statistical distributions, right? If I roll a die, if I roll two dice, that you know, we think about two dice, I roll those two dice, and we know that I have a, a, a very low chance of getting two because both dice have to roll two. Right? right? Very low chance of getting 12 because both have to roll six. But lots of chances to get a seven, right? Well, that's a statistical distribution. As long as we're working with fair dice, I roll them both. And, you know, there's some expectations. I do it enough times. And, and we sometimes treat players that way. We think that, well, this means that, well, no, that, that might not be the case today. This this guy's girlfriend may have broken up with him. This guy, this guy, you know, may be hurting a little bit. This guy might be seeing the ball really well. I mean, I think, I think some of the fun stories in the MLB right now are these guys like uh, J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner and some of these guys that organizations kind of gave up on. And these guys were out working with hitting pros like you, right? Mm -hmm. And they're working with these hitting pros, and they're coming back in spring training, and they're saying, hey, I've, I've changed, right? Well, these teams use a small statistical sample and say, well, have you changed? And, and, they, and they get rid of them, and then other teams pick them up and realize they really did change. And that statistical distribution that we were looking at really didn't tell us anything about the player anymore because they had – developed into a different player or, you know, the statistical distribution that was J.D. Martinez is now a different statistical distribution than, you know, what you right. might have looked at and what the numbers might have told you, right? So we can't forget the value of experience and eyes and somebody saying, yeah, he, he does look different, you know? The stat nerd 
may be wrong on this one, yeah. right? And I, I, I think thinking about that and understanding that that any kind of statistics and analysis are just part of the story. They're not they're not the whole thing, right? Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because you see that online on social media. Um, to your point where it's kind of like you got to be one or the other and it's like well there's really room for both combining both and I, it seems that you know the uh, analytics at times gets a, a bad rap um, and you just said it perfectly I mean I, I don't know how anyone could argue with what you just said right there does it frustrate you though as someone who I mean obviously teaches a sabermetrics course and is really into the analytics to hear like that none of that stuff matters Oh, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I you know, I think I, I, I've talked to you. I mean, you, you know, there's so many smart people in this business. Yeah. They're actually doing it. Um, you know, I, I talk to the Xavier coaches and while maybe some of them don't have the, the, the statistics background that I have, I mean, these are smart guys, mm-hmm. right? And they know a lot about, they know a lot about the game and baseball and they can take the, they can take the statistics that you show them and say, you know, the good ones are going to use them to the extent that it helps them, and the others are going to be like, and then they're going to be the time where they're like, yeah, but what you don't get is that, it, you know, one, one of the coaches I talked to once was like, if you don't get, if I don't get some bunts on film, everyone will play me so deep that, that it'll be taking away hits from my players, right? And it's like, until you understand, you know, you, you understand, yeah, there, there is a, there is, you know, statistically we can say, well, it probably doesn't make sense to bunt a lot, but if you never do it, it changes the distribution of what we what we use to make that analysis with, right? So, you know, there's still that game theory part of it that 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 hey, if 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 I never do it, then teams can play me in a way that makes it even harder for me to do what I want to do. Right. So, um, does it like when you're when you're watching games and you see managers go uh, and decide against the analytics, right? Because there's always, I'm sure there's always an answer based based off just simply numbers. Like, is there if a manager makes ten decisions? I mean, is there a certain amount where it's like fifty fifty? Like, you would want five of them to go maybe with their gut, and then the other five decisions are with the analytics or is it just simply like it depends yeah i mean i I think that's why these guys make the big bucks right it's easy for guys like me to sit and and microanalyze the game but i mean at the end of the day um uh you know kevin cash has to make the decision on what to do there right and and if it works out great for him he looks like a hero um and if it doesn't, you know, they're all the armchair quarterbacks out there. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think, I think as, as, as an analytics guy, all you can do is say, well, you know, here, here are what the probabilities show. But you're the one in the dugout. You're the one working with the players. You have to decide how you're going to use this data. And, you know, it might be like, you know, eight out of ten times you should do this. But that still leaves a lot of wiggle room for these guys, right? And that's why, I mean, they're, they're high-pressure jobs and they're compensated well and, 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 you know, they have to take the criticism that, right? you know. Right, no, yeah, 100%. Now, 
it seems as it, I mean, most MLB organizations at this point are, are utilizing analytics to some degree, some more than other, others, no question about it. It seems it should trickle down into the college setting, too. I know we've talked in the past about Iowa and the program, that the analytics program that they have. Do you see trickle down even more so into the, the high school setting where or summer ball setting where – uh, I, I mean, just based off of, you know, how the, you know, all these guys where have, you know, we're in this cage, right? In my cage right now, there's hit tracks, there's all this data everywhere. I mean, is that going to happen? Is that the next wave? We're making decisions during games at the high school and summer ball schedule is, is coming next. I mean, I think it already is done to an extent. I think, you know, I, I, I think it takes the good coaches to understand, look, I've got little Johnny in the box and, I've got this blast sensor and I can use it to help him swing hard and not swing down on the ball. Yeah. And that might be all I use it for little Johnny, but then I've got a I've got a senior in high school who wants to play D1 and maybe we're using the Rapsodo machine to to develop pitches and so on. So I I, I mean I you know, I think it's there. I mean, I I think it's already there. I think it takes um, good coaches to understand, hey, you know, we're going to use it a little bit or we're going to use it a lot. It really depends on the player that I'm working with and the, uh, the setting. One of the things that I, I like, though, about the, the Sabermetrics course that you teach is, you know, you brought, you brought in guests like Kyle Bodie, Trevor Bauer, um, you know, David Bell, you know, all, all these really smart people in baseball. Um, you know, have, is there anything that you've taken away from hearing them talk that, um, you know, you, maybe you weren't expecting? Well, I mean, I, I, one of the ones that really fascinates me is I, I have Mike Montana, who's, uh, who's an agent for uh, uh, Kyle Freeland. Is that MSM? MSM. Okay. And, uh, boy, you know, the, you know Mike uh, will talk about the collective bargaining agreement and, you know, the comp, how complicated yeah. it is. And, and um, it, you, you know, I think – I think if more fans understood the collective bargaining agreement, they might understand some of the stuff uh, that gets talked about and done this time of year. Uh, so that's what, that, that to me is always fun. Um, David Bell, you know, I mean, what a thoughtful guy. I, you know, I, I know David kind of personally and, and I, and I, and I made the ask and, uh, and you, you know, I don't like to. You know, this yeah. this is a busy guy, yeah. right? And uh, I, I swear, he he spent a week prepping for it. You know, he's just yeah. he's just that thoughtful and wanted to be prepared. And he's he, you know, I, I think to to answer the question fully, there there are just so many wonderful people in the game that you that that, that are willing to share with you, right? I mean, you you go to the ABCA con, uh, convention, and I mean. These guys get up on the, uh, on the main stage, and they maybe they're not giving you all their secrets, but they're giving enough that I'm yeah. learning. Up. Yeah. I'm learning an awful lot, and so that to me is fun. I mean, they're they're just a lot of good people that are willing to share what they know, and and um, you know, I mean, you know, think about all the great guests you've had on uh, your right. podcast. I mean, these people are generous with their time, and they're you learn some stuff from them and they don't necessarily have to do that. And I think that's really, it is cool about the game of baseball. Yeah. yeah no, no doubt. What, I mean, I, I assume from a, 
having a player like Trevor Bauer on, was he more willing to share than someone who works for an organization as, you know, like a David Bell or someone like that? Was he more to get more in depth into, you know, statistics and how he goes about his business and, and that yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, he's fascinating that way, right? I mean, he tells you everything, right? I mean, and, and he's written up in so many books, you know, they – you know, the MVP machine talks a lot about him and the things he does, and it seems like he's willing to share with teammates. And, and um, you know, I, th I think that the teams, you know, that, that you know they're trying to, um, you know. Get that competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't want to give things away. So, yeah, I mean, I found, like, Trevor's just – he's just fascinating. I, I, I think he is so good for the sport. Um, I think it, it's fun to have a little bit of controversy. I mean, I think it, 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 this is entertainment, right? Yep. I mean, people are paying a lot of money to watch these guys. You know, the television contracts are high. I mean, so it's fun to have a guy that's out there telling it, telling it how it is. And um, it's fun to hear that, you know, like he's helping teammates out and people want to be, be part. And, and if he ruffles a few feathers and he gets some um, – commentators annoyed I mean, boy that's even more fun yeah. isn't it there's more I attention mean, to the game yeah yeah i yeah. think that's good yeah no i i definitely agree with that i mean is there a favorite statistic that you have well i i like the concept of war okay. right i mean in that so so let's let's think about how how war what we're what we're trying to do we're trying to measure how many how many essentially wins a player will contribute, right? And so it's a composite measure and it's not a perfect measure and it, it probably will keep being refined and so on, but we're, we're trying to get this one number that I can, I can make a good comparison with, right? And we start with this concept of, well, what's important to win in the game? Well, scoring runs and preventing runs, right? So if we think about a team that, that it scores the same as it as it gives up, right? So that that team will probably finish about 500, right? I mean, when then we look more and we say, well, well, what would it take to get me another win? I don't want to win 81. I want to win 82. Well, we we study the game and we say, well, it'll take about 10 more runs, either for or against or some combination. So we think about it as 10, and right, and we think, well, why 10? Why not just one? Well, when do I? When am I going to get that one? Well, if I get in a game, I'm up a lot. That doesn't do me any good. If I get it in a game, I'm down a lot. That doesn't do me mm -hmm. any good. The only time it helps me is the game that I lose by one. So now I'm tied, and I've got a chance to win in an extra innings, right? So we can, you know, guys have studied the game, and this is there's a whole thing on, a whole series of research on all these different ways, but it turns out it's about 10. It takes about 10 more runs to get a win in the MLB. So if it takes 10 runs, and then I start to look at ways a player can get me runs or prevent runs. So we think about, we think about you know, batters. Well, what statistics best co correlate with run scoring, right? So you know, one of the things you know, we think about, I'm a little diversion here, but, but you know, the, you know, Batting average, right? You know, batting average gets a bad rap with the sabermetricians, which is unfortunate because it does tell us something. Batting average tells us, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a meaningful statistic, right? But if my goal is to score runs, 
batting average, 71% correlated with runs. So it explains a lot of run scoring, but on base percentage explains 79. So that's why, you know, we get the money ball story, right? Because Billy Bean and these guys, you know, supposedly identify that, you know, I can get on, high on base guys for more than worrying about batting average, right? So, so, so what we do is we start, you know, figuring out, well, how do you, you know, how do I get, how will this guy get me 10, 10 more runs, you know? And we can measure in game, well, you know, what does a single get me, right? Well, you know, in the old slugging percentage formula, a single's worth one, a double's worth two, a triple's worth three, and so on. But we can measure, we can actually measure and say, well, a single really leads to about a half a run. And a double adds to more, and a home run adds one point something. And we can start adding these up and measure how many runs you create from batting. And then we measure how many runs you create from base running. And then how many runs you create from fielding. You know, we, that's, that, you know you're preventing runs, but that's, right. that's helping us out. And we take all that and divide by 10, basically. And there's your wins above replacement. And there's all kinds of adjustments, but that's the basic concept. So it's a fun construct, right? And it'll keep changing because we get better at measuring how people can prevent fielding and how base running contributes and so on. So it, it's going to be this evolution. I mean, it's, it's, it's evolved, but it's not perfect, and it's going to continue to evolve more. But it gives us this one kind of holy grail of, you know, here's how we can measure the what, guy. Is there like a lowest hanging fruit from a position player um, from four war, like base running or defense that's not? I mean, that's a good question. It feels like batting okay. for, for, for position players seems to have the biggest weight. But, right. But certainly. But I mean, there is there other, like, would you say like, defense could potentially be that overlooked factor? I think it can, right? And, and, and I think that's definitely one of the ones. I think you'll, as, as we get better and better with, like, the stat cap, stat cast type data or what, what, whatever the newest uh, version of that, we'll get better at measuring. Um, you know, some of these are, are really fascinating. Um, um, you, you, uh, you basically are trying to say, well, well, this ball hit this hard at this angle is going to be an out 10% of the time. So if this guy makes the play, boy, that's a big event, right? Because he makes the play and he prevents this many runs and that was an unlikely event as opposed to the guy that, that bobbles the, the play that was not, you know, so, yeah. so it, it definitely, I think we'll see that evolve and get even, even better. But I think some of those measures, they're hard to, uh, they're hard to put down in paper and understand, but I think I think that you mean from a defensive standpoint, hard to yeah. put down on paper. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard for like a, a fan to just, you know, you know, we had the old statistics like um, fielding percentage. That's an easy one to understand, right? Guy makes makes a hundred plays and, and and only has one error. Well, he's a ninety nine percent fielding percentage. But the problem with that is this guy made. 100 plays, and another shortstop might have made two, 200 plays because he gets to more balls, yeah. and he has more errors and looks bad, but he got to a lot more balls. So that, you know, it, 
those statistics were easy to understand, whereas I think the newer ones are harder because there's there are a lot of moving parts. What about from a, a pitcher's standpoint? Are there are there certain metrics that you like looking at? I know the old school, like the wins and losses. I think that's you know, yeah, there's some merit. It's good that you want to win, of course, but there's better ways to probably evaluate a pitcher's you know performance. Right, and, and as you've seen the game, I mean, I think I think this last season was the first year where the average start didn't even go five innings so I didn't know that actually yeah Yeah, I just read that and it's so 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 the average the average start doesn't even have a chance at a win but he does have a chance at a loss because if he leaves the game losing so that that's so obviously that one is a is a tricky and it it all it depends on whether your team scores So, so I think you're right I mean I think it's not a particularly useful uh, statistic and of course earn run average you know has some similar problems in that if you've got if you've got uh, if you've got guys behind you that are that are vacuum cleaners and are bailing you out every which way I mean your ERA is going to look better than if you're you know that's a good point too well I remember I don't know if you remember a few years ago when Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young I think he was 12 and 11 for the year right it's a great point I mean just a great example I mean yeah. if how how overlooked some of that stuff is. I don't know. It just, it's interesting. Well, in uh, Jacob deGrom recently, you know, it's like the guy's unbelievable, and yet, you know, for some reason just has drawn, <laughs> drawn yeah. the pad out of the yeah. distribution for runs when he's pit, you know, by his team when he's pitching. So. What, are, there any, are there any books that you would recommend? I know you mentioned one earlier, but are there any books that you, you've, you've liked to read? I know – so I know, like, what, uh, Smart Baseball, Keith Law, he, he's had that one out. Uh, I like that one. You like that one? I haven't read I haven't so had a chance the, to read one that one. One of the ones yet. I really like is Russell Carlton's book, The Shift. Um, and I almost passed on it because I, I had read Big Data Baseball, which is really good. That's um, They talk a lot about The Shift and how Pittsburgh kind of first started using it. And it, it's a fun book. Um, and I almost skipped The Shift by Russell Carlton. Uh, because I thought, oh, it's just another book about sh-. and it's not. It's a book about uh, shifting the way you think about baseball, mm. and it's fun. I mean, that that's a good one. Uh, ben Baumer's book, uh, The Sabermetric Revolution, that's really good. Uh, Smart Baseball is really good. There's there, there, there's a lot of good ones. Um, maybe I'll get it, get you a list that you can put in your uh, show notes. Show yeah. notes, yeah. yeah that'd that'd be, be fun. Another thing uh, that I I sometimes think about is lineups day games night games should there be different players just based off of the weather for example I mean is that something that people should be looking into too I was thinking about it the other day watching Aaron Rodgers just tear somebody up on a snowy day right Right. not everyone can do that no I mean but 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 to me that feels like uh, you know there's there's so much emphasis today on the mental aspect of the game where you just realize that you know the mechanics are the mechanics but if I can really fix the way guys think and um who who's the good uh mental coach that Seattle has I mean some some of these Andy McKay Andy McKay I think he, he's the director of player development but he's he's very good I do follow him on Twitter he's a very good follow on Twitter I wish I remembered his handle off the top of my head but uh, oh yeah, but like guys like that, I yeah, mean, they're very, very fascinating yeah. to, to listen to. When some of the things by, um, um, oh the, uh, the uh, Alan Jager, Jager, and the, the heads up baseball, yep. and, and some of those. I mean, I think I think that part of it is so important. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think lineup construction's interesting. I, I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole too far. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, the, the research I read is like, it, it, once you get past the, well, the guy that you, the guy that's gonna get on the base the most you want first, and the guy that's your best hitter you want second, and the reason you want him second is because he's gonna get more at bats over the course of the season, you know, so yeah. some of those, but then once you get past that, you know, you see some of the research where they're so marginal right. that it doesn't seem to be the biggest. But, I, you know, I wonder how much, um, you know, use as a coach to use that more as a uh, – I almost wonder if that's the place for the coach, you know, like maybe we don't have ideal lineups, but – you know, this is a good day to, to go with this guy. and More going back to what you said earlier, just that feel and experience type factor, yeah. which is so important. What, what do you, what's your take on the, the potential of banning the shift? I don't like it, for example. I think as a hitting coach, you should be able to, uh, I mean, work around it. Honestly, I think you should be a complete hitter. But what do you think about banning the shift? I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I'm, again, I'm not that big a fan. I, I think, I think you, you know, it's a big field. You get to put guys out there where you want, and um, they've done it a long time. Um, so I, I think I think I think you'll see some exciting things change in the game as 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 players and teams adapt to it. I mean, I think I think you know they're still hitting the ball hard in even if it goes into the shift. I mean. It still leaves the park sometimes. It's still – so I, I don't I, – I, I'm not necessarily somebody who's sitting around thinking about ways to change the game, although yeah. I love the extra innings rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually – I've got a – I wrote a – I'm working on a little paper that uh, looks at the probability of the, the game ending based on how you start – how you start the extra inning, you know, and it turns out – you know, you'll, you'll end a lot more games early by starting a game on second. I think we knew that intuitively, and but it, it's fun to look at the – you can do the, the probabilities and show how much more early without actually having to run the experiment. So that's kind of fun. Is there any other rabbit holes you're going down these days with, with sabermetrics or metrics? Um. I, I think it's fun to play like that. So I, I've got a paper we call Warball, where we where we where we use uh, linear optimization to create teams, and and basically where you're just you're just uh, you're saying, well, if if I've got so the, the idea would be if you have a forecast for all all these players, you've got a forecast of what their wars are and what you can pay for them, right? So what you want to do is you want to assemble the team that has the the highest war for the budget you have, right? right? So you basically use linear optimization. So we just kind of take the war as given. We use their statistical war and say, well, if this was my projection and we look at their salary and this is what I could, could pay for them, this is the team I would construct with if I had $150 million for this year. Well, I don't have 150. I only have 100. Well, this is what the team looks like. Mm. And, and so, like, for instance, you know, you only get Mike Trout if you've got the big budget team. Uh, but then – and we're using 2018 data, whereas uh, 
Whereas Paul Goldschmidt shows up on a lot of teams because he's got a really high war and he's not that expensive, right? And he's also very early in his, in his uh, uh, free agency contract, right? You know, so so it, that, that, that to me is kind of fun just to use the statistics because you think at some level that's what front offices are, are doing and they might not be doing it necessarily. They've got a multi-year horizon where they're like, well, Maybe my window is two years from now. How do I, how do I create a team that wins enough and has enough culture and has enough that we could really hit the pop? Or if these things went right, we could maybe win here. I mean, that, that that's all fascinating. I mean, they're all playing this this game where they all, you know, there's only a certain set of players out there that they're all competing for. And they all have different prices, and they all have different. All the teams have different budgets, so. It's just a, it's just kind of a fun way to look at it, um, kind of a, you know, almost a fantasy type approach, but but using like uh, linear optimization, you know, solve. Yeah, I was just, I was actually thinking fantasy. I'm sure you would kill it at fantasy baseball. Oh, I'm I mean, terrible. You're, at you're that. terrible. I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, I love to play. I mean, I I like to, you know, I grew up playing Stratomatic with the dice and yeah. all that, but uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, that's fun. That's yeah, fun. That's good, good stuff. stuff. Um, any any last words or any if anyone had any questions? I mean, is there a best place to contact you? Yeah, um, just uh, email okay. uh, Highland H Y L A N D D Highland D at Xavier dot edu, and okay. I'll I'll put the put, put that link in the show notes, notes too. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on. This is a lot of fun. Well, and it's, it's a treat for me. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. You get so many good guests on, and like I said, you know the the, the people you have on. I mean, I've learned a lot of baseball from, and 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 so it's 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 fun. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.